Welcome to the Live Your Purpose podcast, featuring compelling interviews with big-hearted people in the Oklahoma City metro area who are leading, creating, and innovating on purpose. Get inspired by conversations with passionate difference makers from our local community. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. On today's episode, we sit down with Imam Imad Chasi, a passionate promoter of peace, unity, and understanding throughout the Oklahoma City community and around the world. And now, the Live Your Purpose Podcast. Welcome to this edition of the Live Your Purpose Podcast. I'm here today with Dr. Imam Imad Chasi, who grew up in Palestinian refugee camps in Beirut, Lebanon. His experiences as a child surrounded by war and conflict have shaped his passion as an adult for promoting unity and understanding. Imam Inchasi is the senior religious leader at the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City, and he has received much recognition for his efforts to encourage dialogue, peace, and tolerance in the OKC community and far beyond. Imam Inchasi, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's really exciting to have you on the show. We've known each other for a few years now, and I think it was through the Interfaith Alliance that we first came to know one another. And so it's a real pleasure to have you on today. The pleasure is mine. Thank you for um, giving me the honor to be on your show. Ah, yes. And both of us are passionate about having better conversations and bringing out the best in other people. Uh, Plus, we both have a pretty good selfie game, (laughs) although I would probably concede that yours outmatches mine most of the time. (laughs) So we got one this morning, so first things first, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the Muslim theology that we need to do first, is a selfie. Okay, selfie. It's been taken care of. Okay, so so good. Uh, Typically, you start off with some form of a kickoff question. In your case, I'll just say, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your story and background, if you would. Well, um, um, my name is a mouthful, I guess. Imam Imad Inchasi, um, which is this um, um, this name uh, in the name itself. Inchasi is a name of a city, so I'm off Inchas, which is the city of Egypt. My ancestor come from um, uh, uh, North Africa, which is Egypt. Uh, migrated from uh, uh, during the Ottoman Empire to a place uh, was known as Palestine prior to 1948. Uh, My father was refugeed as a Palestinian refugee to Lebanon. Uh, My mom came from Syria, um, uh, temporarily to Lebanon. Um, You know, my father fell in love with my mom and they got married. So I'm a Lebanese, Palestinian, Syrian um, refugee who grew up in Lebanon. Um, uh, you know, grew up in Lebanon in a, in a, in a, in a Torah zone, mm-hmm. um, grew up in Christian schools. Wow, so right. um, um, I, I, my, my very fond memory is uh, my pre-K uh, years as um, the Religion United Committee of the Middle East uh, brought about this Etihad uh, al which literally means Religion United um, charity, and I used to go there. Okay. Uh, my fond memory is of all the people who came together, Muslims and Christians, to feed me, clothe me, and take care of me. I grew up in a refugee camp. I um, uh, witnessed the whole civil war of Lebanon. Mm. Um, eventually um, survived a massacre mm. in 1982, the Palestinian massacre of Sabra and Shatila. I don't recommend anybody Googling that, but if you want to Google that, mm. um, you know, do that at your risk. Um, 
And then, you know, the people who fed me, clothed me, and took care of me were Christians, and the people who actually came in my refugee camp were also claimed to be Christians. I could not reconcile the Jesus who fed me, took care of me, and clothed me, and the Jesus who butchered me. Uh, but also at an early age, I have a passion uh, for, uh, for people. So um, um, I, 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 um, uh, the people who rescued me were the Red Cross. Mm. And the people who butchered me actually dipped their brushes in their victim's blood and draw uh, crosses on my refugee camp. So having all these things together, I came to the United States as if my uh, racial and religious and you know ethnic background is not complicated enough. I married a half native, half Mexican. So my kids, as they all normally say, you know, Dad, what race are we? You know, so are we are we are we Hispanic? Yep. Are we Native American? Well, yes. Your mom is half. Are we, um, you know, are we um, um, African Americans? Well, yeah, Egypt technically is Africa. And you know, and then what race are we really, Dad? And I always say, I always tell them. So which one gets you the scholarship? <laughs> that, that's the one you need to to, uh, to check in. Sure. So I came here with a with a huge passion for interfaith. Um, I hate war with all, with every being of my, I, I grew up in war all mm, my life. Right. And you know, mm. um, you know, people who sit down sometimes in the living room tables and say, let's do this, let's hate those people, let's do this, let's, let's you know, bomb this. I said, no, this is not moral combat, this is not a video game. Mm -hmm. I've seen people being killed, I've seen people uh, being butchered. So of course, um, you know, uh, my fond memory of growing up in Christian schools uh, brought about uh, by, Miss Rahma, who used to be a Christian nun who took care of me. So now in Oklahoma City, we have a lot of organization bears her name because the word Rahma means mercy. Yeah. So we have Mercy School, Mercy Education Foundation. We have a soup kitchen, we have clinics, we have a women's shelter, all bear the name of mercy. Yes, I remember that. And I've, I mean, I've heard your story, but for those that have not, this may be new information. So growing up in, in a very, in a war-torn, uh, zone in the midst of civil war uh, with multiple identities, cultural identities, and you have uh, Christians who are, are caring for you and providing resources and love, and then you have those claiming to be Christian coming in as well and actually conducting horrific acts of violence and murder and, and the massacre itself. Uh, absolutely. I, I yeah. remember very vividly um, as I was hiding in Vulcan, you know, hearing Jesus' name being invoked as those people perpetrated their heinous act. Mm -hmm. But also as a Muslim, you know, Jesus and Mary is a big part of my theology. Mm -hmm. So I was invoking the same name for safety. Ah. So you could imagine um, um, all these emotions coming together and, you know, the hate I heard afterwards. But the only person I could think of is the sugar candy that was given to me by the Christian nun. Yeah. Uh, or the extra scarf that was given to me um, by the Christian custodian, mm -hmm. or the person who uh, put me on their lap and, and, and you know, wiped my tears who happened to be Christians. Mm -hmm. So I could not reconcile the two. Mm -hmm. And you know, um, I could not even listen to hate speech, rightfully so, so to speak, mm -hmm. afterwards, yeah. from some people who have lost their loved ones. Yeah. Uh, but I could not, fathom the broad um, um, you know stereotyping about all Christians mm -hmm. so 
I came up with that mentality. And, yeah. and, and fortunately, uh, the tables turned here. So I came here and became yeah. a minority. And all the hate now is perpetrated against me and my faith. Yes, I know. I know. And I do want to talk at sure. length about this because it's highly important to me and many sure. of our listeners, too. Um, with Sister Mercy, was this the sister who also gave you the candy? Or was Absolutely, it, yeah. Was yeah, it, yeah. I, thought, yeah. I, I would say I said sugar candies. I could still taste the sugar candy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what, what was it? What do you remember the flavor or the... Oh, sugar candy. That's, that, sugar. that, that's a sugar candy. The so very generic, The very generic <laughs> sugar candy. Right. That, it tastes sweet. Yeah. Um, I, I visited her after 10 years, mm. and, and I went uh, to go see her, and... Um, I walked in and, you know, of course, because of gender sensitivity, I could no longer hug her. She no longer hugged me. Yeah. But I, I think I broke the tradition that day. Uh, uh, and she asked me and with her big smile, said, is it something that you want? I said, you still have that sugar candy? Oh, no way. <laughs> that is so sweet. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a, you know, that's uh, after 30 years of, uh, you know, leaving the school. So. Um, it tasted just as sweet. You remembered it. I, I, yeah, I remember. It's, uh, I don't think it's the sweetness of the candy, but it's the no. sweetness of the conversation and the smile. Sure, mm. yes. What a special moment. Yeah. And how old were you at the time when, when this massacre took place? When the massacre, I was 17 years old. 17. Yeah. Okay. So in my pre, Young man. pre, pre um, you know, um, all the way to kindergarten, mm -hmm. I was in that, um, uh, in that refugee uh, camp camp. Um, charity school yeah. uh, that was that was run by the Religion United of the Middle East, right. or Churches United of the Middle East. Churches United, mm -hmm. okay. And then you were able, at some point in your life story, you were able to come to the United States. I was. Yeah. I had a long-distance relationship with Lady Liberty. Okay. Um, I think everybody did. Uh, um, what she stands for, um, um, you know, the promise that she will keep her light on for me. Um, I, I came straight Beirut, New York, man. Did you I really? Mean, I, yeah, straight. Wow. One, 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 one flight on non -stop. Middle East Airlines, nonstop. Mm -hmm. um, of course, applying for the visa um, was extremely um, hard. But I think after three trials, um, the ambassador or the counselor there at the embassy realized that I was from the camps. Mm. And I, you know, um, you have to understand the United States were actually part of the peacekeeping uh, mission in the Middle East after the invasion of Israel to Lebanon, which the aftermath of the massacre. Uh, however, um, the guy um, uh, really looked at me and he says, um, you keep coming back. I say, I have nothing to lose. Mm. So he said, I'll be right back, and he gave me the visa. So I came, and, and with $311 uh, in my pocket, uh, spent the night in a hotel paid by, by, the, uh, by the airline so I could take the next flight to Dallas-Fort Worth. And I could not bear the idea that I cannot go see Lady Liberty after all this long-distance wow. relationship. So I took a boat, yeah. um, and I didn't tell my brother that that I spent some money on that boat but I went I went there and I saw her you know I knew she was too good for me after all she has her own island you know? <laughs> this is true yeah but but you could you know you could see the uh, you know you have to look up to her you really have yeah. no other no other choice right. when you it's a small tiny island hmm. but I took a mental check um, um, a mental a, a checklist so to speak of what you know give me your poor that's me mm -hmm. you know 
Um, you give me your tired. Oh, that's me. Get, you know, the refugee, that's me. So, you know, everything that she was saying that was talking to me. Yeah, that's so powerful. Yeah. And what was that like from the moment that you knew, hey, I've got the visa, I can go, until when you touched down and then finally were able to? A touchdown in, yeah, in, touchdown in like? New York, it was, it was Christmas time. Was it really? Uh, Christmas trees everywhere. Of course, I was familiar with Christmas mm-hmm. since I grew up with, with Christians and so on and so forth. I think the thing that struck me the most is the simple fact that I could walk around in New York City without an ID. There's no checkpoint anywhere. Then I could you know, go on a boat and just give them a ticket that I just purchased and nobody asked me for an ID or anything else. And then like, you know, freedom, you know. Yeah. Um, maybe we take this for granted, but I slept that evening with absolutely the quietest evening mm. I've ever had. You know, growing up, growing, growing up in Lebanon, there was explosions, uh, gunfire, gunshots, and so on and so forth. Um, in New York City, it was an extremely peaceful evening. And uh, to actually get to see Lady Liberty was an extreme honor for me. Yeah, yeah. And I can tell, and I can, yeah. I'm sure our listeners can hear it and feel it <laughs> yeah. as, they, as they travel along with you in yeah. your story. Yeah. So then, uh, and the story doesn't your your story doesn't have to be chronological or in order in any way. But then you uh, you went to Dallas, and at mm. some point, you know, got to Oklahoma and Oklahoma City area. Yeah, I went to Dallas. Then I went to um, you know Lubbock, Texas. Believe it or not. Okay. You know, was a Red Raider. Um, I always tell my wife uh, that I raided her heart. <laughs> Since <laughs> so that's she when you met. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. So so. I came here to Oklahoma City with my uh, company. I was in a restaurant business. Uh, First Cafeteria is the name. Mm -hmm. And they brought me to Oklahoma City. And, um, you know, Shepherd Mall, actually, right here in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I know it. And and from there, start working um, within the community. The Muslim community was extremely small. Mm -hmm. And start growing the Muslim community and start building alliances with the Oklahoma City um, area as an Okie. Right. You know, I mean, I was, I loved, it was back then, don't, don't lay that trash on Oklahoma. I remember I that, I that, 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 that jingle. Uh-huh, the advertising right? so, campaign. Yeah. yeah. Keep uh, Oklahoma know, beautiful, right? Sure, sure. So, yeah. you know, Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma was beautiful. Um, this was home. Um, I met my wife at Shepherd Mall. Oh, okay. Uh, we have kids. Um, and that was home. This, this was home. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, Lake Hefner was the place to be. My son always look at Lake Hefner, call it chocolate milk because, you know, it's brown. So, <laughs> right. so you know, that, th- this, this was home. Huh. And, and this is where, you know, the job I got was at Shepherd Mall. And, um, you know, th- this, this was home for me um, until the Alfred Mara building bombing. Yes. Uh, well, still home. <laughs> of course, but right. something changed. Though. Something changed, yeah. you know, working as, as, as usual, going to the Alfred uh, going to to work every single day. I was going to the bank one day, and boom, I hear an explosion. Mm. And explosions are not, you know, unfamiliar for me. Right. right. And everybody said that sounds mm. like a gas, and I said no. You know, unfortunately, I'm an expert on what explosions sounds like. While you kids were playing marbles when you were young, or well, sorry, video games or whatever right. you guys were playing. NES. Yeah. So we we used to play name the bomb. Which caliber is that bomb? <sighs> We used to run into the streets and pick up shrapners. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what we did as as kids. Right, because it was just in your environment. That, that was me. It's terrifying. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's terrifying. I, you know, kid. I should not be normal. 
But my wife told me I am not normal. So okay, well, <laughs> wife, wives will tell us the truth, but, but yeah, so, I hear what you're saying. So after the Alfred mm. uh, uh, Mirror building bombing, yeah. um, the news media stopped talking about this have a Middle Eastern prince all over it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, one of the friends that used to work for me at the cafeteria fixing to be a, um, a, a manager at Furs. See, I'm, I'm an okay. Yeah. I said fixing. Fixing to yeah, be, and you said furs. Be, yeah, furs. I, yeah. Know both, I know both of those words. <laughs> so, so um, you know, all of a sudden, his wife was a friend of my wife. All of a sudden, uh, the guy was leaving, actually, that morning to uh, go um, uh, visit his family. Hmm. And a neighbor saw two Middle Eastern-looking guys leaving uh, in a hurry, and she called the FBI, and, and that was it. The guy was brought back, interrogated. Um, I, I had to go kind of like say, you know, I, I actually suspected my own friend because the media was so, so, so um, amplified the story mm-hmm. that he had a bomb-making material within his luggage and so on and so forth. Oh, I, see. I know the 25th anniversary of Oklahoma City bombing is coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but out of this evil experience, of course, Timothy McVeigh was, was caught mm-hmm. eventually. Right. But out of this evil experience, the Interfaith Alliance came about in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And we start opening up. And we start working on um, uh, state level and local level on bringing people of different faith together yeah. uh, to build about alliances. Right. Um, and I, I tell you, um, people don't think of Oklahoma City as a place of interfaith. But we had a head start. Um, you know, most of the nation took interfaith seriously after 9-11, mm-hmm. Oklahoma City took interfaith really seriously after the Alfred Murray building bombing. That's, it, it's phenomenal yeah. because it's, it's a gem to, to people like me that are involved in interfaith work. And I think regionally and maybe beyond, you know, that, that folks know Oklahoma City metro area is being highly involved in interfaith work and that this was one of the catalysts, this evil event um, that, you know, that sparked. And, and out of evil comes good. It that's just what, that's does. what our faith te- teaches. That's you know? right. So, yes. I mean, I mean, uh. as evil as as Alfred Murray Building bombing was, um, Jeff Hamilton came about, an interfaith alliance, uh, the museum, and so mm-hmm. on and so forth. And you know, fast forward to 9/11, uh, people were, you know, not really as fast to judge in Oklahoma City. So that we had, mm-hmm. you know, almost um, no no uh, hate crime against Muslims right even after 9/11 mm-hmm. mm. that's fascinating so these these efforts that you and our state as a whole and the interfaith alliance in particular have been involved with does make a difference well, and a big part of the this podcast is living purpose you know living out your purpose and your sense of calling or vocation sure and to know that the work that you and others are doing in the community has made these positive impacts it just it's a sign for our times that it's it's worth continuing to pursue your purpose. It's we have to talk. Yes, you know? we have I mean, to dialogue. You were you were you were kidding around my selfie. Yeah, yeah. But I walk in churches sometimes. Some of them are very conservative churches, mm-hmm. and people are scared of me. Yeah. I could hear chatter, yeah. you know, as I walk in, um, you know, uh, and then then the first thing I would look at the preacher and I say, you know, can I do the most Islamic thing in a church? So the preacher feel really overwhelmed, like, oh, heck, what is he fixing to do, <laughs> right? And then I say, I want to take a selfie. <laughs> and then you could, you could hear 
uh, maybe for three, four seconds, ten seconds, people say, shall we laugh and shall we not laugh? <laughs> and then everybody just laughs. Yeah. And that's my uh, nonverbal or verbal um, uh, outreach to this community, say, you know, hey, laughter is good. Yeah. Uh, it breaks the ice. Mm -hmm. uh, it breaks that barrier between us and them. Like, I'm just like everybody else trying to, you know, trying to take a selfie yeah. and, and put it on social media. So um, um, I do a lot of those tricks in my, in my talks just, just to, to get people to, um, to understand that you know, because we've been demonized and dehumanized, that, that we're humans. For sure. Yeah. And I know we've talked a lot about the positive and the, the benefits to your work and the work of the Interfaith Alliance. But what are some of the challenges that you faced initially and that maybe continue, that you continue to face you in the Muslim community? Well, I mean, the, the, um, you know, after 9-11, mm -hmm. um, there has been a stereotype that where terrorism and Islam came as two words that comes together all the time. Islamophobia, uh, which is similar to anti-Semitism or mm -hmm. racism, yes. uh, became something that's rapid within our nation. Mm -hmm. um, every time something happens within our nation, I, I know this is gonna sound odd, but for many Muslims, instead of having this normal feeling of, of, of sadness and, and grief for the victims, we're scared and we're praying like, oh God, let, let, let that person not be a Muslim mm -hmm. because we're worried of, you know, all, all, the, all the lashback uh, from hateful emails to threatening phone calls to, um, um, you know, you name it. However, you know, um, I'm, I'm known to have a selective memory. I always like to select the positive things. Mm -hmm. So the more um, havoc and the more uh, challenges the Muslim community face, the more we see the, uh, the, the, the more we see the interfaith community coming. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon that we go, um, you know, I, I tell you maybe a couple of incidents. Um, uh, since our politicians were making all kind of Islamophobic remarks, such as Islam is cancer, need to be uh, eliminated, right. which, which is, is, you know, I, I answered, well, the only, the only word, the only, the only thing I know about cancer and Islam is about six cancer doctors who happen to be Muslim trying to find a cure here wow. at, at the VA hospital. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I need to bulldoze the mosque in Oklahoma City or what, whatever that is, you know. So we decided maybe we should go meet our politicians since they're not coming out to meet us. Mm -hmm. And that was as if it was the end of the end of times. Uh, Muslims are coming to the state capital. They're going to desecrate the state capital, although we made it an interfaithy thing. Mm -hmm. And we have demonstrators outside the state capitals mm -hmm. yelling and screaming and using the F word and Jesus in the same sentence. It was just like really mm -hmm. um, as two, three hundred people showed up uh, for that day, the interfaith community decided to make what they call it a wall of love, a corridor of love, mm -hmm. uh, to separate us from those people and to escort us into the people's house. That was beautiful. Yeah, what yeah. a moment. That, that, that was extremely beautiful. Yeah. Um, I remember being escorted by two rabbis, Rabbi Verid and Rabbi Jacobson, who happened to be two female rabbis in Oklahoma. Yeah. Actually, Rabbi Jacobson was pregnant, eight months pregnant. Is that and it right? was a sub-zero temperature day. Mm. And I was going like, Rabbi, you know, she said, I'm Jewish, I know what hate feels like, mm. you know. Um, one of the funny things is one of the guys looked at the rabbi because, you know, she's, she's, she, look, she looks very local and, and he didn't realize she was a rabbi. I said, hey, 
tell this guy about Jesus. <laughs> and she said, he's Muslim. He does Jesus more than me. You know, like, so you're both going to hell. So, yeah. <laughs> Fine. If you're going to you be know, that way, you're both going to hell. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, sending a centennial Quran to the legislators so they could read it for themselves yeah. and have being rejected. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the VA Veterans Day, we had a float in Tulsa, for God's sake, yeah. with Muslim soldiers who fought in Vietnam, who fought in um, Iraq, Desert Storm, and different... We want to show people that we are part of the community and we get, um, you know, um, almost uh, turned away from having a float because, you know, the police is worried about snipers and there was quite a few uh, threats. Mm -hmm. Or a hearing right here by, you know, without mentioning his name, John Bennett, uh, you know, who decided (laughs) to have a a hearing uh, about extremism in Oklahoma and, you know, keep in mind, the only extremism we know in Oklahoma was Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. And, and me showing up with about 40 of our interfaith partners. And John Bennett looks at me and he says, this is the number one terrorist in the state of Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then um, he looks at the interfaith community and say, all of you, uh, we're going to come after all of you because you came with him. This is called, you know, aiding uh, a terrorist. You know, you all um, uh, complicit in this, and was I was going like you know I start hugging people at that moment because I was overtaken by the hate he has given, and then um, you know he ordered me not to hug people. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, so, and 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 to the last really really the hardest thing is mm-hmm. when I, my application was denied to be a chaplain at the state senate here in Oklahoma with no. Uh, explanation given to me whatsoever. Mm. Um, a straight um, First Amendment um, violation, mm-hmm. which I had a 99.9% chance of suing the state and winning with three major national organizations pushing me to do that. Mm-hmm. Or one of them actually wanted to shut the whole prayer program down. And we decided to take the high road, along with the interfaith community. Uh, we struggled with it and so on, but we're not about to shut the prayer uh, program down for, for indeed all our legislators need our prayers, uh, which taking the high road always, uh, repelling hate with love, is something that um, I've been taught and, and that's something I try to practice every single day. Yeah, and these are great examples of it. So very full answer, you know, describing... Uh, many of the challenges faced initially, especially with this, uh, the, the incident which triggered many of the issues locally in Oklahoma, the Murabama bombing, uh, building bombing, which had these repercussions over time. But the way that you have engaged through peaceful methods, through dialogue, through uh, tactics that humanize, that are, that are common to all of our humanity, such as taking selfies, <laughs> you know, and it's fun, and, and you see the joy, and, and I'm here talking with you, and those who follow Imam Inchasi and on social media know this about you, that there is true joy, there is true peace, there is true love, and a true desire to uh, impact positive, meaningful change in the yeah. community, and these are all evidence of I, that work. I, I, there's no other way. There's, I mean, no other I mean, way. there's no other way. And how, wait, what does that mean for you? I know what it means for me, but you know, how would you describe why is it that there's no other way? There, there is no other way except for humans to get along. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you might call me a universalist, but if you're human, you're automatically a universalist. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, I've seen the other side. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? I do. Um, the Abrahamic traditions count for almost 60% of the world population. 2.2 mm -hmm. billion Christians, 1.7 billion Muslims, yeah. um, uh, um, you know, millions of Jews. You put all the Abrahamic traditions together. The two major, the two major religions is Judaism, is, is Christianity and Islam. Mm -hmm. If we don't get along, we really are not going to have world peace. Yeah. And I know sometimes we look at Oklahoma, we look at America, and say, you know, um, well, you know, Christianity is the majority. But I travel to places where Christianity is not the majority religion. Mm -hmm. I want people to think and to grasp the idea: What if you are a minority religion in Lebanon? Mm -hmm or in Syria, what is it that you want uh, for your minority religion uh, to thrive and survive as a citizen of that nation, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so there's no other way um, except for us to open a bridge of communication, walls don't work, um, um, to, to communicate and to tell our stories because beneath whatever tag we call ourselves is mm -hmm. that the big H, the human being. Yeah. Um, you know, um, uh, there is no such a thing as Muslim water <laughs> <laughs> or Christian air. Uh -huh. yes. We live in this city, in a very pluralistic city. Mm -hmm. You know, I want the best for my kids to succeed. Uh, you want the best for your kids to succeed. You worry about your mortgage. You worry about your safety. You know, this, this, is, this is what living in a pluralistic society means. Mm -hmm. And there's no other ways. The other ways is World War I, World War II, the Crusades, 9-11. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and those are places that are dark. We should not be uh, hiding in the corners, shivering of the fear of one another. Right. We and should be talking to one another. And we will see that beneath whatever facade we have, we're human beings. Oh, that's so wonderful and so powerful, a powerful testament to really the core of, of who you are and how you view the world. Uh, tell me this, where do you think, uh, I think I know the answer, but I want to ask it, where does the courage come from to do the work, the particularly difficult work mm. that you do? Where does this come from for you? You know, we pray five times a day. Muslims yeah. pray five times a day. Yeah. And in every prayer, we ask God for the straight path. Mm -hmm guide us to the straight path. Mm -hmm. And if you went to school when you were young, you would know that a triangle, um, one side of the triangle is a straight path. You know, you know it's, it's shorter than distance than, than two sides of the triangle. So we're not asking for a crooked path, we're asking for the straight path. The straight path that goes through prayer, submission, and surrendering to God Almighty. And um, that path as it was been described to us in the prophetic tradition, appears to be difficult, mm -hmm. but it's very gratifying. Where the crooked path appears to be easy, mm -hmm. but it's the longest path. Um, have you ever been, you know, if you want to go from, if, if you want to go to Kansas City and somehow, um, you know, the, the closest way to Kansas City is take 35 North, for instance. Or if you want to go to Dallas, for instance, you're going to go take 35 South. That's, that's the, easy, the easiest path. Right. If, if, if you exited the path and tried to go through crooked ways, your GPS is going to say you're recalculating all the time, you know. And this GPS, I call it God positioning system, which is our heart, always telling us to rec recalculating. And, and you know how 
disturbed you are when you're lost. Oh, yes. You know, and, and the GPS say recalculating. Unless you go back to the straight path and it says Dallas, 170 miles. Dallas, 160 miles. Ah, you feel relaxed. So we ask God every single day for the straight path. And, uh, you know, prayers brings about uh, courage. And also we are encouraged. This is going to sound odd. Hmm. That if you have no difficulties in your way, then you're not on the straight path. Mm -hmm. There has to be difficulties because what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, yeah, so right. to speak. Mm -hmm. And and just just close your eyes. Mm -hmm. I, I know I know you're you're a student of the Bible, so am I. Mm -hmm. But which story of the Bible does it give us that a prophet Joseph, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and the the king of Egypt, he had to go through trials and tribulations, Absolutely. sold in slavery, every time, betrayed by his brothers, mm -hmm. um, went to jail. Mm -hmm. uh, he was trafficked. Um, he was part of the jail industry, and, and you, you and then. He came out with all these experiences. So he knew what justice means mm -hmm. to him because he was oppressed. Yeah. Um, he knew what, um, what social justice means because uh, social injustice was you know, committed against him. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, we believe everything happened for a divine, there's a divine wisdom in everything we do. Yes. And, and, and the prayer help us stay focused on the straight path right it helps you to calibrate the gps oh, absolutely yeah the, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that's a wonderful analogy so for those that are listening in right now whatever your spiritual or religious tradition is as a practicing christian i know that i've had conversation with my muslim brothers and sisters and and these the idea of praying five times a day uh, particularly Adam Sultani, who mm. came out to our church, Spring Creek Baptist Church, a couple of years ago, and described his, his practice and the tradition. Uh, I took away from that, okay, well, there's been a long tradition in the, with Christians about praying the hours. Mm. And this came from the, the, more, the uh, Catholic um, monastic tradition. But it's something that there are resources out there for now. Sure. So yeah, practice your tradition, practice your practices, and get your GPS straight. You, you know, know. <laughs> you know, you know uh, it's funny you said that because Francis of Assisi, who yeah. actually came up with a lot of these prayers and yes. praises of the Lord, mm -hmm. actually met. Um, you know, he was a an ex crusaders who actually crossed the line and went to talk to the Egyptian. Um, um, uh, caliphate at that time, yes. and he saw the Muslim praying. Mm -hmm. We call that spiritual envy. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Spiritual Good. envy is awesome. It's correct. You know, when you see somebody, um, you know, a, a praying or somebody's fasting or somebody's doing, said, you know, um, you know, although I'm I'm a different faith, but this could help me as an individual. Yes, it's yeah. a very positive form of envy, and that's what I felt. That sure. describes it very well. Yeah. That I thought, you know what, there's more that I could be doing. And I'd already known about some prayer practices that Christians can practice. And I thought, well, then I need to do them. <laughs> you know, so, um, and so at our church now, there are contemplative practices. And not just because of me, but because there's, awesome. there are movements towards that. Awesome. You know, praying the hours and, and this kind of thing. Well, that's wonderful. And speaking of St. Francis, one of the things that interests me is um, the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City uh, is... The, one of the streets that it's off of is St. Clair. St. Clair, yeah. Okay, so you, you saw where I was headed. Yeah, I've heard that before, yeah. Okay, so yeah. was this intentional or was this God-inspired? How did this come to be? Absolutely unintentional. Okay, cool. That was the, that was the um, um, 
uh, the mosque used to be actually right here at Oklahoma City University. Oh, okay. I don't think and, I knew that. Yeah, so not far away from here, and they wanted something closer to this to the university for the students, apparently. Hmm. And they were looking for a piece of land, and they sent you know Francis. And there used to be Church of Christ right across the street from us, which is our mission building now. Okay. This is where our free clinic is, and um, you know. And then you have the Shriner Temples on, on, on the other side. Right. <laughs> so, but Saint, you know, uh, uh, Saint Clair, um, you know, the history of Saint Clair, it fits right on with the mission of the Islamic Society of Greater Oklahoma City um, as a as 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 a leader, and as long as I'm a leader there, that's that's our vision. Oh yeah, yeah, and it sure is. And let's talk a little bit. So for those that don't know who Saint Clair is, she was the right hand woman of uh, St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. So the first female nun in, in the Franciscan tradition. Mm. And so, yeah, uh, it's really neat that the, that the mosque is, is on St. Clair Avenue. And then there's the Mercy, Mercy Mission right there named yeah. after Sister Mercy. Sure, which, yeah. which used to be a, a Church of Christ. That's amazing, right, and, and, and at we, that point, which I did not know. And either. we coexisted with the Church of Christ and, until they, moved, they, they built their church so that we were there. Wow. As Mercy School used to be at that building at oh, one time. I see, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit, for those who don't know, a little mm. bit more about the Mercy Mission and, mm. and the work that goes on there, the outreach. Well, um, um, the outreach um, uh, is it, it's, uh, uh, have been a long dream come true. Mm -hmm. um, traditionally, um, the Prophet Mosque was built in the ghetto. Okay. So traditionally, eight, eight, it's, uh, seventh century, the prophet migrate from Mecca to Medina, um, biblically from Paran to Tima, and um, the prophet. Uh, everybody wants the prophet to stay with them. So you know, kind of the city is kind of like any city. There's you know Nichols Hills and there's Gallardia, and there's also uh, not the so good neighborhoods. Yeah. So the prophet says, let the camel decide where the mosque would be. Hmm. Um, so the camel, you know, imagine you're a camel. Don't imagine you're a camel. But I'm, I'm going to try right now. <laughs> and you've been, you've been going through the desert for 300 miles. Okay, yeah. You're going to go to the dumpster and to where the water is running. First so, thing. So that's where the camel sat uh -huh. in the ghetto, okay. in, in, the, in the poorest of the poor area. Mm -hmm. So the prophet built his mosque in that area. And then right immediately after that, the homeless shelter was there, the clinic was there. So the social services were always associated with the Mosque of the Prophet. Um, uh, so many people, including myself, see that as a divine sign that each mosque should have a form of um, um, outreach, a form of a mission. And I've been looking, we were looking, we were looking. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that building came on sale and, you know, um, don't want to don't want to you know dwell on the idea that sometimes people don't want to sell to Muslims, but you know everything we have to do from purchasing that building or even our cemetery, mm. you know we have to go through a third party somehow, um, you know. But uh, things are getting better. You okay. know we we love our city, we love our state. So um, uh, that was across the street. It was vacant. It's a ten thousand square foot building, and we got the building, and we brought about different part of the society to come together. So we have a free clinic, 100% uh, free. And even when we have armed demonstrators that came to our uh, uh, mosque to demonstrate against Islam, I remember one of them, he had an M16 and he had a big mole on his right cheek. 
And I said, well, you need to get that checked as I approached him with his gun. And the police said, sir, he has a gun. I said, sir, I'm from Lebanon. You know, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just part of, his, yeah. part of his attire. So yeah. I was talking to him. What, is he, what are you demonstrating against? And he said, Islam and Muslims. And I was talking to him. And I said, that's a big mall. I said, we could, you know, so I, I, we could go inside that clinic and have it checked. Mm -hmm. So actually, we went inside the clinic. Is that right? And the guy had an M16 in his hand, and everybody was looking at me like... And he went in with it. He went in with it. This and is it, an amazing and story. And it was cancerous. Was it really? And he's still being um, uh, helped, you know. Uh, two stories from that building. Now, we have a women's shelter there, offices, Thuraya Ann Foundation. We have a soup kitchen. We have Muslims for Mercy. We deliver food to the homeless. And, and, and uh, you know, I don't like the word soup kitchen. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, that's what people, what is, what is known for. So we mm -hmm. have a quite a, you know, we have a purchasing some housing where also we home, we home, um, we house the homeless. Um, um, another story from that building is our mission building uh, director is African-American female by the name of Deborah Bonita. And one day we get a call because of our name, Mercy, people think we're Catholics, uh, uh -huh. right? So somebody calls, said, is this Mercy Mission building? Yes. Are you open? No, we're not open. Well, my daughter was just arrested and she left me four kids and I'm a grandma, live on uh, social security and I have no food. Any place you could, well, said, we'll open for you. Just come on in. Mm -hmm. So the lady walked in. She walked in and saw Deborah Bonita, a black woman with a headscarf. The lady looks at Deborah and says, black and Muslim, I would rather starve. Oh, true story. Shocking. I didn't yeah, expect absolutely, you to say that. Absolutely, absolutely true story. Oh, my goodness. And, and you know, I know Deborah. Yeah. Um, Deborah is a convert. And, you know, 10 years ago, Deborah would have ended up uh, um, in jail and the lady would end up in the hospital. But okay. Deborah, I hear you. Yeah. who prays five times a day, mm -hmm. she said, oh, Lord, you know, she said, you know, she went to prayer right away and, 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 and she said she felt like a calm came on her. And she said, ma'am, you don't have to like me, but please take those four grocery bags. We have diapers, we had formula, we have this. And the lady walked away, ran away from her, and Deborah ran with the bags, forced the bags in the lady's back seat and closed the door. No, the story's not over. The lady now is one of our volunteers. <laughs> uh. You you wanna you wanna you wanna repel hate with love? Yeah. There's no other way, my friend. There's absolutely no other way. No, I fully believe. When it. somebody sends yeah. me a hateful letter, mm -hmm. and I could, I invite them for lunch. Uh, when somebody sent me, and they did, um, you know, envelopes with white powder in it, and and we found out who those people are, although they got arrested, I I visit them in jail. There's no other way. There's no other way of you really you triumphing over your own demons mm -hmm. than this. That's it, isn't it? And, and those that are listening into this portion of the story, I, you know, I've got tears in my eyes just listening to the power of this story and the idea that this is how love triumphs over hate, a very, very real-world experience right here in our community. Uh, and those that are listening in, you can take lessons from this and apply them, whether it's in your faith tradition or in your workplace or in your family. There is a way to transform 
hatred and animosity. And you, you can't fight hate with hate. It doesn't work. It's it just ineffective. It doesn't, it doesn't work. If nothing else, it doesn't, yeah, work. it doesn't work. It produces more of the same, and it doesn't transform. It doesn't change the narrative, the story, the outcome. And here the outcome is so different. Actually, a volunteer who is filled with hatred and repulsion at the idea of being helped by an African-American and Muslim. Now, completely different perspective, and now volunteers for the same place. What a wonderful story. That's how it works, you know. <laughs> That's how I understand my own tradition when I'm, when I'm practicing and interpreting well. You know, as, as a young kid, mm -hmm. um, we always learn the first story. You know, when you're pre-K-3, they teach you all these little stories about Jesus yeah. and Moses. Right. So the first story we learn is about the prophet's neighbor who, who did not care for the prophet. Mm -hmm. And he would leave garbage in front of the prophet's house every single day. Whatever garbage that man had, he would throw it in front of the, the prophet's uh, front yard. And one day, the prophet woke up, there was no garbage in front of his front yard. And he looked across to his neighbor, and, you know, the prophet normally takes the garbage and throws it where it needs to go. But now, this time, there's no garbage, and he looks across to his neighbor's yard and the camel's still there. <laughs> so the prophet runs to his wife and he says, you know, and the prophetic house was extremely poor. Mm -hmm. And he said, whatever food you have, fix it. My neighbor's sick. Yeah. So the prophet takes the food and goes to his neighbor's, knocks on his door. And he thought, he said, you know, are you okay? Are you sick? And the neighbors looks at him like, are you crazy? Right? How do you know I'm sick? He said, well, there was no garbage in my front yard. Oh, wow. Right? And it's that time yeah. Archangel Gabriel came with a scripture, repel hate with love, mm -hmm. repel uh, 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 evil with good. Mm -hmm. Only when you do so, you will make a friend out of perceivable enemy. But it continues. Mm -hmm. Not everybody could do that. Oh, right. Right. Of course. The, the verse said, <laughs> Oops, I went to Arabic now. That's okay, go ahead, you can say <laughs> that too. He said the only people who can do that is the people who have, who are devoted in prayers. Oh, there it is. So right. back, right, back, back to, to the prayers, prayers yeah. people, those that are listening. That you have a big share of faith mm -hmm. in prayers and yeah. a big, you know, and prayers will teach you patience mm -hmm. and prayers will teach you to repel hate with love. Mm -hmm. Patience is a big word that's come up in my own practice and I believe God is, is demonstrating another level of patience in my life. And so mm -hmm. I'm hearing this word again and that uh, forbearance is a related word. Forgiveness is in there. Uh, there's, a, there's a way to... Um, allow the conditions of our lives when we're despised or misunderstood, dejected, um, that can be transformative, that can change our hearts. And it's through the practices of prayers and those stabilizing uh, forces in our lives. For me, that's God. And I'm, I'm hearing very similar language like I always do with Imam Imad and Chasi uh, related to my own life and my own practice of faith. And so here, when, when those despise me, they don't understand me or don't agree with me, it's really about loving, it's about patience, it's about using skillful language too and, and changing the dialogue and the narrative as we're able yeah. to.
Yeah, and there's a great story on, on how to do it. Yeah. So those that are tuning in, got your GPS up. <laughs> so, uh, well, we've got, you know, we've got a few more minutes. Sure. And so in closing, I, I wanted to say I know that you've got uh, something coming up in the future. So t- <laughs> I'll let you tell more about that. What is that and when can we expect to uh, receive it? Well, um, you know, believe it or not, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there to my senior years. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. Yeah. You know, I'm 54. Okay. So... In a, um, hopefully when this um, airs, uh, my book will be out. Okay, a book. Okay, uh, tell my us book all will about be it. out. And what you're gonna like about my book is the simple fact that I tell a story. Mm-hmm. I make no judgment. Mm. I leave that to you, right? Um, I I I I tell the story as I perceive it from my own life, from the time I was born to almost uh, this year. Um, We call the book Cloud Miles uh, because I start the book uh, traveling from Oklahoma City with Religion United, a group to the Holy Land, to Palestine as I know it, Mm -hmm. to Israel as it's known to many people. Mm But with me on the plane are rabbis and preachers, which I have taught all my life that they were my enemy. But now we're going as a religion united group looking after each other. In that book, I reflect on my 50 years of many of the stories I just told them and many other more of what have happened in details. Mm then we land back in Oklahoma City. Um, In a sense, um, there's something profound about a conversation. There's something profound about education. There's something profound about attitude. It changes all the attitude. But what really is more profound, and you probably would agree, is a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm not scared of you. Right. But you're Baptist. Are you Baptist? I am. I am right now. Yes, I am. So, yeah. So, yeah. See, Cooperative I'm not, Baptist. I'm not scared of you. Right. And you're not scared of me. We're yeah. sitting here and we're talking. We're having a conversation. You made me cry. I made you cry. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you call that? You know, there's a relationship. Next time somebody come and tell me, well, you know how Baptists are. No, I don't, <laughs> to be right. honest with you. Yeah. Because the Baptists, I know they're loving they're, they're caring and so on and so forth. And I don't generalize about anyone. Or somebody mm. comes to you and say, well, you know how Muslims are? Mm. You know, as, as one of my friends, he said, you know, you know, you know how Muslims are. They're all terrible. They're, I said, do you, do you know any Muslims? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the guy says, well, I, I, think, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think that guy at, um, you know, Walmart pharmacy, his name is Muhammad, is... Um, is, uh, is a Muslim. I said, well, is the Pope Catholic, you know, so his name <laughs> Muhammad is pretty much is a Muslim, right? I said, and how, what do you know about Muhammad? Well, he's a nice guy. Well, what are the odds? You found the only nice Muslim out of 1.7 billion Muslims, right? I know that sounds silly. Of course. But the whole, the whole idea uh, that the book talks about is tell stories. Mm-hmm. And um, um, at the end, I, I, just, I just tell the people uh, uh, you know, that relationships is make all the difference in the world. Yes. Um, and relationships stands, starts with a conversation, mm-hmm. with education, with attitude. Mm-hmm. And um, 
what makes a relationship or what makes people change their minds or what makes you gain people's heart is an actual relationship with someone. Mm -hmm. I know we strive for it to have a relationship with God, uh, to have relationship um, you know, with our neighbors and so on and so forth. Uh, but, but, but the bottom line, that relationships with people who we fear the most mm-hmm. uh, are the most essential ones. Francis of Assisi crossed the line, man. He did. He did. He did. He almost got killed. Yeah. And they told him on the other side, uh, the Muslims are going to cut your tongue out, take your eyes out, mm-hmm. and bring you back into pieces. Yeah. But what he saw is people praying. Mm-hmm and you know, defending themselves and so on and so forth. And that relationship, in my opinion, my scholastic opinion, mm-hmm. that, that him crossing the line put an end to the Crusades. And um, uh, you know, people start saying, well, let's learn about Islam. Let's learn mm-hmm. about our brothers from different mothers. Uh-huh. You know? yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Which is, by the way, those who are, are tuning in, that's a, that's a talk that Imam Imad gives regularly, and I've heard it and been delighted by it. Yeah. Your brother from another mother. Yeah. And so do a little history on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're descendants, uh, Muslims are descendants from Hagar, which is Abraham's wife, mm-hmm. Islamically, and that she begun from Ishmael. Yeah. And Muhammad, uh, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is direct descend of Ishmael. And uh, Muslims, Jews, and Christians are brothers from different mothers. So Isaac, Isaac and Ishmael are two brothers. And yeah. I love, you know, people always asking me, are you responsible for 9-11? I said, no, maybe 7-11. <laughs> but the 7-11 <laughs> is Genesis 7-11. Right. It's the story of Abraham, actually, that, um, you know, um, Isaac got a text message from, I mean, Isaac sent the text message to his brother Ishmael. Uh-huh. Say, hey, bro, you know, dad is dying. And, and Ishmael came all the way from the wilderness of Paran, today's Mecca, to um, Hebron, and they buried their father together. So there's tradition, there's history here. There's a lot of it. Brothers and sisters, you know, yeah. we, we, have, we have history together. And so uh, to create a better future is wonderful. Well, we do need to wrap up. Let's get the title of the book one more time. Um, Sky Miles. Sky Miles. Uh-huh. And where can folks find it? I'll put notes in the show notes with all these resources. Sure. But... So um, it's, it's um, uh, published by Nurturing Faith, okay. which is uh, Ethics Daily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, wow. um, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully um, we're trying to get it out within a week or so. Okay. Yeah. And about the time that this podcast goes out, and sure. you'll see this in the show notes, I'll give you a link for how you can get the book. <laughs> and maybe I can get a signed copy from Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Okay. And I'd be glad I'd be glad to do any uh, book tours or, uh, you know, uh, proceeds of this book will go to our um, food pantry and, and other social work in Oklahoma City. Um, I gain, I, 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 I'm trying not to gain anything from that book except uh, the pleasure of God Almighty and the pleasure of knowing that uh, this book is out there mm-hmm. that would bring people together. And perhaps through the suffering that you see in my book, and I don't leave any story without a humor, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> through the suffering, um, you will smile and you will cry at the same time. And, uh, you know, um, uh, rightfully so, those are the two human emotions that needs no language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you smile yeah. and you cry, if you're smiling, I know you're happy, you have joy. And if you cry, I know you're, 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 you're having 
um, um, you know, a hard day or, or you're sad. Um, I don't need to speak English. I don't need to communicate with you. Mm -hmm. So uh, through, those two, through all these stories um, uh, coming together, uh, hopefully we see a, a beacon um, of light that comes out to tell us that, hey, mm -hmm. perhaps I should go across the street and talk to the Muslims. Or perhaps I should go to the synagogue and talk to the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not going to agree theologically. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm tempted to say even people within the same church don't agree theologically. They don't. But Very at, often. at least what Ibu Patel calls sacred grounds, we could agree that feeding the poor, taking care of the hungry, mm -hmm. making a better environment for our kids, um, you know, um, um, is the holy thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's close on that. There's nothing more I can add to this. Imam, Imad, and Chasi, thank you for being my guest on the show. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless you. Bless you too. You've been listening to the Live Your Purpose podcast. I hope you've been inspired by my conversation with today's guest. If you like what you hear, please share with your social networks and subscribe so that you never miss an episode. I'm your host, Charles Gossett, Life Purpose Coach and founder of Full Integration Coaching. To learn more about the life coaching, public speaking, and retreat services that I offer, visit fullintegrationcoaching.com. And you can follow along with me on Facebook and Instagram at Full Integration Coaching. Until next time, remember... You were meant to live on purpose. Start living yours today.